Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's Beth Duran, co-host of the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast. Thanks a lot for all your support as we continue to improve the podcast. And today, I'm apologizing to you. Uh, for about the first 10, 12 minutes, there was an echo. And I, I swear to you, if you get through that, you deal with it, you're going to hear some gems from this guest, Sergio Romo, three-time World Series champion with the San Francisco Giants, a good friend of Ricky's. They actually met playing in the Arizona Fall League back in 2007. And they went down memory lane, all kinds of good stories. And Sergio also has some great inspiration uh, for the youth. You know, I was inspired. I've known this guy for a while, consider him a good friend, and even some of the stuff that he was talking about, I didn't even know. You know, he was picking lettuce and then going to play baseball, riding his bike and playing in Mexico, all kinds of great stories from Romo. Um, and once again, I apologize for the audio issues about the first 10, 12 minutes. Uh, I try my best to figure it out. And then, sure enough, during the podcast as it's going, I'm like, oh, man, I hit the wrong button. So I take full responsibility for that. But we are doing it live on YouTube on Tuesdays. Uh, go and check out uh, page Beto Duran, B-E-T-O, Duran, D-U-R-A-N. And you can see uh, all the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcasts that we've been doing. Uh, it's available on YouTube. There's a playlist that says Let's Go Ricky Roll. You can check that out. And we continue to improve. And the cool part about doing it live on Tuesdays is that we're able to take questions from the viewers, and we incorporated that into the podcast. So today's podcast with World Series champion Sergio Romo. And once again, I apologize for the audio issues. You're going to hear the echo for the first 10, 12 minutes. But regardless, though, quarantine time, we got to figure out ways to improve. I'm a radio guy learning how to do all these video stuff. So vid video, shoot, support, do whatever you got to do. And as always, rate, review, and then share. And I think you're really going to love and enjoy today's episode with Sergio Romo. And the Let's Go Ricky Roll stickers are out there. If you need one, hit me up. My Instagram, Beto Vision, B-E-T-O Vision. And I'll send you a Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast sticker. Um, I know some of you have reached out and said, uh, I got it already. Thank you. Display it. Show it out there. And just continue to sh um, share the podcast for you guys. So, real good episode this is uh, via YouTube, and, and now it's on Instagram. Now it's on uh, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere you go. And I really can't say enough about how cool this was. Thanks for listening. Here you go. Time for Let's Go, Ricky Rowe. Let's go, Ricky Rowe. Let's go, Ricky Rowe. Ricky Rowe. Ricky Rowe. Ricky Rowe. 
We are live on the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast. I'm Bethel Duran, joined by the one and only Ricky Romero. The name of uh, this podcast is Let's Go Ricky Roll. Ricky, where are you? Home, man. Still stuck at home. <laughs> yeah, normally we're talking about your exotic locations that you have all over the world, but we are in quarantine and we have a special guest today, a guy that you've known for a long time. Let's bring him in right now. World Series champion Sergio Romo joins us. Romo, you said you wanted to come on, and you're here. Welcome to the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast. I'm here. I'm not chopped liver to you guys. That's what's up. I'm sitting there watching all your podcasts, going, "Man, ni me habla el way." Like, and uh, well, here we are. Got the call. Hey, man, going to the show, and here I am on the show now. The podcast. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, uh, a closer. A closer. No, uh, I mean, I've, did, I've done that a little bit, but uh, I like being the middle guy. You know what I'm saying? The bridge, you know, the setup to the closer, you know? Like, I uh, I like being Robin. Let's put it that way. I'll be Robin. <laughs> All right, Sergio Romo, you know, like, like, usually when you do interviews, they ask you, like, oh, how's baseball? How's this? Isn't that? We don't care about that. We know baseball's good. It's in your hand. It's great. You're a professional baseball player. Whatever. Let's talk about when did you, Sergio Romo, first meet Ricky Romero? Oh, goodness. Uh, well, I've known of Ricky uh, before I actually met him. He was one of those guys where I'm going, man, me this way, like, he's in D1 and, like, he's Chicano like me, man, kind of all the good stuff. And I was like, so I kind of knew of Ricky already. Uh, but I met him in uh, 2007. We were in the fall league. Uh, the uh, Scottsdale Scorpions. Um, we did that a little bit, hung out, realized that there's – there's other guys that are uh, stories similar to mine, upbringing similar to mine, and it's just kind of one of those like, man, if this guy can do, you know, make some noise, like I want to make some noise next to that guy, you know, guys like him, Cesar Ramos, uh, Carlos Muniz, uh, guys like, uh, like those those Chicanos, those Latinos, those Mexicanos, they're like, you know, you know, come from humble beginnings, but uh, making that real, real, real name for ourselves. You know, even that guy, what's his name? He's in Miami. Cesar Carrillo. Like, I even looked at that guy. I don't even think he's Mexican. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, man, look at that guy doing big things. Little guy doing big things. You know, so I was like, man. So, like, there was a lot of a lot of proof that I can, it's possible, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, that's basically how I met Ricky Rowe. And that's kind of the inspiration he's kind of been maybe not knowing <laughs> it's funny uh because in 2007 when we played for the scottsdale Cor scorpions obviously the the fall league is a is a league where all the top prospects go and you know it's a very prestigious league the first time i met serge <laughs> never gonna forget this and i don't know if you remember this you were doing the bucket during bp and we were we were shagging and you kept you kept yelling, "Hey, frijolito, frijolito, frijolito!" And I kept like, I mean, obviously you and I and and Los Muñiz were probably the only Mexicans on that team. And I was like, "Who is this guy that just doesn't shut up the whole the whole batting practice?" <laughs> and it was like our first day there too. So I, I I just know the guys that I that I came in with from the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't really know much of like I know of Carlos Muñiz playing against him, but I didn't really know him know him. And it's funny because you know you like like Serge said we 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 came from similar backgrounds but we really didn't know who we were and then that that team kind of just you know brought us together big time and 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 
And, you know, I was, and Serge will tell you, I was super quiet and shy. And I mean, I just, you know, didn't say much. And like, he was always trying yeah, to Yeah, like, everyone's like, everyone's like, that's Ricky Romero. That's Ricky Romero. That's Ricky Romero. And we're like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's Ricky Romero. Hey, Ricky. Hey, Ricky. And that was it. That was it. I swear to you. And then the only guys who would get him to talk were the guys who he knew was uh, like Sergio Santos was there. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the Lunchbox. Whoa. Or Icebox, whatever. Travis, uh, Snyder. Travis Snyder, Lunchbox, uh, yeah. Yeah, that guy. Like, he got you to talk to. Percy, yeah, he was, he was kind of quiet himself, too. Uh, but, yeah, but, that, that was Ricky Rowe. He was really quiet. About but that, when we did hang out, hey, off the field, though, you weren't as quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and I when I say that, I'm talking like we we played like PS2. That was when PS2 was the shish. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like we we played like Madden. We played. Uh, they didn't have the show then. I don't know. I don't think it was the show. Uh, Halo was, was the, the Halo was the the game at the time. Remember Halo? Halo that's right. It was the Xbox. Halo. I remember K. Uh, remember Caleb Stewart used to talk all that smack. What was that catcher's name from the Mets too? Him. He was. He talked a lot of smack for. Uh, oh, who's the catcher that was for, for Wilkin playing Castillo? Halo. Say that again. No. Uh, Mike. Oh, Mike Nikias. Yeah. Yes. Mike Nikias. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Hey man, we hung out a lot though. Believe it or not, that was the first time that I actually realized that in pro baseball. You can hang out with your teammates and actually hang out with your teammates. And there's not one guy trying to take something from you. It's not one guy trying to, hey, you know what? I'm going to beat that guy to the show. Or no, 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 no. It was no envy. There was no nothing. It was the fall league. Like, you were the cream of the crop. Like, if you were there, like, that means because you were about, like, you were making your own noise already. And you were about to make some more. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that was the first time that I actually hung out all the time with my teammates. Like that was, and you were somebody like me who was had been labeled a draft bust at the time. So I wasn't, I wasn't even going in as a starter. David Percy was the starter on that team, so they brought me in as a reliever. So I was in the bullpen with Serge and Muniz, Eddie Camacho, all those guys. And you know, because they could only have uh, four, five starters, whatever it was. So I wasn't part of the rotation. So Serge was coming in with, I mean. Being a 30, what rounder? 20, what? 28. 28. 28 rounder. Yeah, so Sergio Romo. Um, I was coming from high A that year, too. There was only high three a. of us that and were able to numbers himself to be able to, to get to that fall league status because it's, it's, it's usually like they like to say, oh, yeah, it's the top prospects, but Serge turned himself into a top prospect by putting up ridiculous numbers. Aww. Thanks, pal. <laughs> <laughs> so the way it works, I mean, the, the Arizona the, Fall League is where the studs go, right? The hey, Arizona Fall League is where the studs I, uh, are being set. I'll tell you what, that was the year 2007 as a whole. That was that was the, my coming out year. That was like my coming out party going, hey, like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, what do you say? I'm not any labeled anything. I'm not, I didn't have a label. I didn't have uh prospect this prospect that i didn't have any kind of like money like put into me there wasn't any what's that uh they, they didn't invest any much into me but 
you know, uh, that those potatoes and when I mashed them, that the, those mashed potatoes were pretty damn good, you know. And so I ate it up as much as I could. I could, and uh, uh, it w- it wasn't that I, I felt that I was better than anybody or whatever, but I kind of always had that little chip on my shoulder, and I, I and I'm thankful to say that I kind of still do. Where it's almost that like still something to prove. Uh, being told no for the majority of my life that. That's, that's that wasn't you know the coolest things you know it wasn't the best experiences uh that came with those no's and uh but being able to stand where I'm at now and having been through you know the so-called trials and tribulations of my life um of my career path my life choices uh I'm proud of all of it uh and it's not that I would like it was perfect no but I, I really wouldn't change anything because at the end of the day it like you know what I'm saying like he kicked my butt when I needed my butt to get kicked you know what I'm saying and it it it, it grew up in certain aspects so uh again having others seeing others do it you know in bigger and grander lights uh like yourself uh even guys like uh like Brian Anderson I looked up to Brian Anderson like I really did like as a prospect I was like man that guy's heck of cool dominates life he dominated college like he's dominating the minors and you know like i i you know nick Pereira. they got these guys work so dang hard i was like man i can like i work hard man i can pitch i got cojones like wait what makes you know what it wasn't that i was i thought i was better than them or you know i was like man i can play with these guys and that was it that's all I, i've always wanted to prove and i still feel that i have that same chip where it's I can play with these guys. You know, I'm 37. I throw, what, 85 miles an hour now? I mean, and that's like grunting, guys. That's like, hey, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, and, and just, uh, it's 85, but it's a thing called conviction. It's a thing called uh, cojones, and uh, that, that I don't know and if you can teach them. And you've had that from, you've had from the first day I, I watched the pitch. It's funny because we pulled up we pulled up your uh, highlights from your debut, and watching those highlights, it, your reactions are the exact same from the first <laughs> time I saw you pitch in the fall league, which was like a, a like a fist pump or a pointing up at the sky or staring the guy down, and I was like, wow, some things have never changed, but it's what it's what's made you, and it's the conviction, and it's. And there they are right there, and it's just yeah. Here it is. Well, like, this is uh, your that. major league yeah. debut. We can actually hear the audio too. Arrived here on Tuesday. He's on the mound now for his big league debut. Look at that. First at hey. You remember that? Yeah, three balls, no strikes. What's going through your head? Where's <laughs> through through these through this moment right here? I mean, obviously you only have one day. Believe it or not, um, the first three pitches obviously wasn't what I wanted them to be. They were balls. <laughs> uh, then I, uh, but when I threw my first strike, uh, I, I distinctly, like, distinctly remember, distinctly remember going, "Dude, I can throw strikes in big leagues." And that's your like, first straight up, like, strikeout. Casey I literally Blake. thought that. Dude, 91, bro. Upper tank. I remember that, too, because then he got traded to the Dodgers later that year, and I punched his ticket out with a slider. (laughs) Oh, anyways. Um, uh, But here's the thing was, I threw my first strike, and I I, I thought that, wow, I could throw strikes in big leagues. 
And then the very next pitch, he flies out to left field, and I got him out. And I don't know if you can see me, like, if they show that as I'm walking out in that video, but I'm nodding my head going, heck, yeah, I just got him out in the big leagues. Like, like, dude, like, I was so jazzed, and I was, like, it was, like, proof. Like, for me, it was kind of like an I told you so moment that I'm going to make it to the big leagues. And then it was kind of like, and I told you that I was going to get an out. And I told like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was, and then I punched a ticket. I don't know. They showed, I saw it in that video. If you look at, oh, right here, 3 2 backdoor breaking ball, Dave DeLucci. I'm sorry, pal. I had to do it to you. 3 2 right here. Benji Molina called a 3 2 backdoor breaking ball, and I hit it. I remember that too. It was one of my proudest moments in baseball, believe it or not, because that was just. That was like the respect that I had earned in that moment from Benji. You know, I've, I've been uh, blessed to have known Benji since my junior college years. I went to the same junior college he did uh, at Arizona Western. Uh, and I, I beamed him in an alumni game, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> on purpose, first pitch. Yeah, I, there's a story behind that one, too. Anyways, Wait, but I okay, met hold him on, then, hold on. Before uh, you move on, because he, we can't let you just say you beamed Benji, Benji Molina in an alumni game and just walk past that. Yeah, what was this, dude? It was. It's just the things I used to do, man. I had to get. I had to get some name. I had to uh, put it this way. I went. I walked on to Orange Coast College, uh, Orange Coast College in Costa Mesa, California, uh, 2001, fall 2001. I walked on. Why? Didn't have nowhere to go. My only scholarships out of high school, or any kind of grants, or any kind of anything to do anything after high school was to tech schools because I was pretty dang good at uh, electronics technology. Uh, I wanted to be an electrician. Like it was a realistic uh, dream of mine, a realistic goal of mine coming from Brawley where I'm from. Uh, and plus it's the desert. So like, I just, oh, I, an electrician that knows how to work air conditioning and stuff like that, I'll always have a job. Like that's, dude, come on, man. Like I've, that's just my way of doing it. Uh, and then uh, it was either that or the Navy. And I almost chose the Navy, uh, believe it or not. I almost, I took the ASVAB and everything. I, I was five feet from the, uh, the recruiter signing myself up for six years. And just my dad did that. And my dad's my hero. So I uh, wanted to just, I mean, dang, he took care of us. And look at what we can do. And like, man, you know what? We can do this. So I wanted to do that too. Uh, come out and be an electrician. Uh, but uh Instead of doing that, I told my dad, you know what, I can play, I can make it. And he was like, wait, what? And I was like, I can make it. I can do this. And he's like, all right, you got two years junior college to prove you can do it. If not, you're signing up for four years in the Navy. You know, he was cutting a deal with me. So I walked on to Orange Coast College, uh, RIP John Altabelli. Um, and he asked me to redshirt. Uh, I kicked some butt, couldn't afford it. Uh, but I, I couldn't afford to not go, you know, not play. And, you know, my dad just couldn't do that to my dad. My sister already in college and uh, my brother in high school. I, I, it just, I don't know, didn't feel right. So uh, I transferred to Arizona Western in Yuma, Arizona, and that's where I met Benji. So my, I transferred that semester. So mind you, I didn't play the fall. So they, I'd never really played in front of these guys before. Uh, so the first game that I get to pitch in a game that they see me is the alumni game. I come in and I don't know what inning. Um, and the first hitter is number 11, Benji Molina. 
<sighs> the reason why I remember his numbers because I remember going, well, let's make an H out of that. And I pelted him with as hard as the fastball I had at the time. And I hit him right in between the numbers, 11, and I tried to make the letter H. That's the only reason why I remember it was 11. Um, <laughs> and I hit him, and he literally hit, gets hit, goes to first base, smiles at me. And my whole dugout, though, my whole team was thrown back. The whole stands, everybody, like the people that were in the game, they were watching the game, they were like, oh, like, oh, like, dude, like, they were just so thrown back. And that's kind of where I started to get my rep as a, not a guy that doesn't give a crap, but a guy I'm not afraid. Like, I didn't care who was in the box. Like, I was going to do my thing, and this is me. And, you know, I was all conference, all region, and, you know, two years there. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got some everlasting friendships. My, you know, one of my, my best friends in life is, you know, and I met him there. So, uh, it's pretty dope, you know. Uh, so from there, kinda, though, from there, from there, you end up at Alabama, at a school in Alabama. How the hell does that happen for you? Like, how do you go so, from Southern California, Arizona, <laughs> Alabama? So, trip in in uh, I'm pretty sure they still have it. Uh, in Arizona, they have this uh, the Arizona Community College Athletic Conference, right? The ACCAC, right? Anyway. They have every year they have a sophomore showcase. So it's you play, it's like a Saturday and a Sunday where all Saturday you do drills and all this stuff like that, I think. And then Sunday you play scrimmage games. And there's all these college recruiters from any everywhere. I'm talking from D1 schools to NAIA, D3, any, any, any level, like four-year schools. Um, and they're there. So I... I went, I pitched, and I did well. Got some phone calls from D1 schools. Then they saw some transcripts, and then they didn't call back. Um, Which one? A Division two school called. <laughs> uh, University of North Alabama. Uh, they offered me an out-of-state pool ride, and they happened to offer my – best friend Johnny uh Johnny Gaston they offered he offered him the same uh exact scholarship so we went together uh why not you know and at that point it wasn't trying to make it to the big leagues it was more so trying to get free schooling at that point like okay like you know what you kind of messed around a little bit you know first couple of years like you probably should do what your dad says at this point do good so I applied myself and I started doing going to school. <laughs> uh, anyways, I kicked butt there. I was, uh, I think uh, I got like an honorable mention All-American or something like that. Like, I got some pretty was good accolades a little bit? But I didn't get drafted and I got kicked out of school. You got kicked out of University of North Alabama? Yeah, believe it or not. Um, and that uh, takes you from the, the words that take you from there. Uh, the color of my skin ended up kicking me out of Alabama and giving me a scholarship to uh, what is now Colorado Mesa University. At the time, it was Mesa State College in Grand Junction, Colorado. Wait, why did you get kicked out? Because I was Mexican. I swear to Bob, that's, that's, that's what I was told. Uh, I was told that Mexican thing you do to baseball. Uh, I can't stand it. I have no room for it on my team. 
Uh, and that, yeah, I got made sure I didn't get drafted that year either because of that. Anyways, uh, life experience, bro, life lesson. Uh, learned that one pretty hard. Uh, granted, I was no angel. Uh, I got in trouble. I'd done some things, uh, but I, I didn't. I don't feel I did enough to get my scholarship taken away, you know, let alone. Yeah. Anyways. So. Okay. Yeah. Any, we'll, summer, we'll leave it at that. Anyways. So, so trip on that. So it's a blessing in disguise, mind you. Um, the summer before going into my junior year, I played in travel, uh, a summer ball team uh, called uh, Havasu Heat in Lake Havasu. And on that team, there was three guys or four guys uh, that went to, Colorado Mesa and so when I got kicked out of school I called them it was Mike Johnson Joe Dernberger uh, Tyler Skaggs no not Tyler Skaggs uh, that's the picture guy no uh, yeah. but his last name was Skaggs I just can't Ethan Skaggs um, and the other one was Trevor Stewart uh, these are guys that I called I was like hey man I just I don't have a place to play like call your coach like what's up chris hanks like let me play at your school like what's good you know and he was like so i got a phone call from chris hanks (laughs) while driving back home from alabama um and he asked me what's up so i told him everything i'm talking i threw the like everything and the kitchen sink like i didn't even hold that back you know what i'm saying like i i I gave him everything the times i got in trouble i the times of fist fights the arguments the everything 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 and he calls uh, the, the Alabama coach, and he offer, he calls me back right after that. And, and uh, after calling him, he says, hey, uh, what kind of scholarship did you have? And I was like, well, I had a full right out of state, you know, 70% for everybody. He's like, well, how's 80%? I was like, what? I don't understand. <laughs> and uh, the crazy part was is, uh, he goes, you know, I never met a kid that, uh, was, that understood that he had uh, – everything to lose with nothing to gain and yet everything to gain with everything to lose at the same time. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Like, I didn't understand. And he goes, so you didn't have to tell me everything that you did. Your coach didn't know about half the things that you told me. Uh, the, the relationship with him, I can understand. I see where it was a little rocky for the certain reasons, yada, 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 yada. Right. So you fast forward through my senior year in college, which I was 14 and one. Uh, set six yeah, and we got pictures of you at Mesa records. State. Um, uh, I pitched yeah. against that school 15 times that year. Uh, I pitched against the University of North Alabama 15 times my senior year, even though I didn't face them once. Uh, I had the biggest chip on my shoulder. I just had to prove them wrong. I had to beat them every time, and they only beat me once that year, and I got drafted, and one of the best compliments I ever got uh, was from Chris Hanks uh, my after my last start of my senior year, in which I had a no-hitter into the ninth inning in regionals and threw a complete game. Anyway, we'll leave it at that. Um, he told me that uh, I was nothing like that guy right there. Yeah, he goes, uh, I was nothing like that guy said I was. Uh, I was exactly the opposite, and that he would take that shot on me every time over and over and over again. Like that's the best, that's one of the best, if not the best compliments I've gotten in my life. Uh, and it came from a guy who knew nothing about me uh, and just still took a shot. So 
Like, Beto, that's what's up, Chris. Thanks. Thanks. And we, we've yeah. talked about this in the past in, in our podcast, you know, and, and the journeys these guys take. And um, it's pretty interesting, right? He goes to three different or four different places in the span of four years, still gets to the big leagues, and is yeah. successful. And this, is, this goes back to what we say about parents nowadays wanting their kids to sign letters of intent in eighth grade and ninth grade. I mean, it, all that stuff doesn't matter. Like guys in the big leagues are not all division one athletes. You know, it's, there's, there's, you, you see every single story that you could possibly think of in the big leagues. Serge being an example of one of them, you know, and the journey that he had to take was completely different being close to going to the Navy and then not going, <laughs> deciding to stay, you know, making a promise to his dad and just kept building, 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 ends up in Alabama, comes back. And the rest is history. He gets drafted by the, I mean, San Francisco Giants. And you, I mean, you you grew up a Dodger fan, correct? Yeah, sheer <laughs> irony of life with that one. Yeah, sheer so irony. The story is you're five foot eight, maybe like a buck fifty, oh. maybe coming out of high school. Oh, if that five six, maybe one sixty, just because I was yeah. chubby. Yeah. <laughs> And you're on, you're in Brawley, California, where scouts are barely going through. It's on the border. So for you to go and dig out, you said you had the chip. You were, your thing was, I'm going to be an electrician. I'm going to go to the Navy. You have told me a story where you had the paperwork filled out. You were ready to walk in there. You go to the junior college. You go to different places. You could have easily mm -hmm. just said at Northern Alabama, coach don't like me and forget it, F life, because there's so many other guys that have done that, blah, 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 but you found a way to get it. You're playing in Lake Havasu. Mm -hmm in a summer league where stud studs are playing in the Cape Cod league. You never have done the, Oh, life is against me. You've never made excuses. And you say you had that chip on the shoulder. Cause how many guys have you gone through? You played with where it's like, all oh, this, all oh, that. And it's always something against them and they never take accountability. <laughs> why were you, uh, why are you lot, like that? Yeah. I've seen that quite a bit. Um, a lot of, a lot of thing is, you know, that, that, that saying you can never judge a book by its cover. Um, Meaning I'm not the biggest, you know, I don't meet the status quo of being what, six two at least, uh hundred and ninety-five pounds at least, throw ninety-five at least now. Uh like I, I don't have that. Uh, but a lot of it is conviction. Uh I credit a lot of my success to backbone conviction. Um being willing to take a lump like not being afraid to take a lump to get where I need to get to uh, and I credit my dad and my grandparents for that uh, my grandpas they you talk about heroes and great examples and uh, like proof that you know just you know minding your business basically staying right you know staying in your lane working hard you know Minding your P's and Q's, so to speak, dotting your I's, crossing your T's, you know what I'm saying? Like just hard work and, you know, you can get somewhere and you can at least at the very end of the day being successful is having, a, you know, to them was having a home, you know, a, a, a comfortable home for our families and whatnot, being able to put food on the table, that type of stuff. So uh, a lot of that was the conviction that they gave me that they got up every day and said they had to work with intent. If not, they weren't going to be able to survive that kind of lifestyle uh getting up you know not just you know 
five days a week. I'm talking six, seven days a week, getting up to go to work. And then, you know, you got a job on Monday to Friday, but on the weekends, you're also going to lettuce fields or alfalfa fields or sugar beet, uh, red onion fields. And like, they taught me how to do that. When I was in high school, my summers in high school, like while all the other kids are riding their bikes, going to swimming pools and uh, doing whatever, I was waking up at five every morning uh being at the field lettuce field uh again all the different types of uh crops that they were planted at the time depending on the season you know i that's where i would that's where i spent my mornings at 5 30 to 2 30 every day i'm in a lettuce field chopping lettuce you know loading buckets or, or sorry boxes of lettuce uh boxes on the on the trucks and stuff like that getting on my bike riding it just so i can make practice you know what I'm saying? So like, it's, it's work ethic. It's, it's, it's conviction, but doing things with intent, you know, uh, doing things with your heart, uh, cojones, you know what I'm saying? Like, sin miedo, like, I mean, scared money don't make no money. Yeah. But lazy money don't make any money either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just, that's, that's you. you gotta, that's you right there, right? Yeah, it is. You gotta earn your that. keep. You, you gotta, gotta earn it. And it's and, true. Like for me, guys, honest, uh, I was that kid that it was 11 years old that was promising his dad that he was going to retire his dad doing what his dad loved to do most, uh, living his dad's dreams. Uh, uh, so like I was 11 years old, me and my dad are watching Wednesday night doubleheader on TV. It's the Braves versus the Pirates. Why I remember that specifically, because Rudy Cienes, he's also from Brawley, uh, He's also a World Series champ from Brawley High. That's what's up, go Wildcats. Um, that fool, uh, he he was on the Braves at the time, and we were watching him. And I was excited. And plus, my favorite baseball player of all time, the guy I've always idolized, like my favorite, like just to watch, was Greg Maddox. Uh, kind of have similar yeah. pitching styles yeah. of that guy. You know, we pitch sideways. You know what I'm saying? There's no real up and downs. There's sideways and taking speeds and changing speeds, that type of stuff. Anyways. Uh, my dad had rotator cuff surgery on his shoulder and he was on that machine where it was just, you know, movement machine where it was going up and down. Uh, and he had, that was the first time I really remember seeing my dad cry. So I asked him why he was crying. He was like, oh, I miss playing baseball meal. My shoulder is messed up and I can't play. Dang. So after a little bit, I looked down and said, hey, dad, you know what? I'm going to do that. Don't worry, dad. One day I'm going to retire you doing what you love to do. Most. I'm going to do that. And you can ask him to this day. Like, I promise you, like, that was that when I was in front of the college recruiter and I, I was like, I looked at him, I go, he goes, when he asked me, you really think you can do it? That's what he was referring to was the promise I made. My dad's dreams were to go to college, be a major league baseball player and be some kind of counselor or teacher of some sort. Well, I've gone to college. I didn't graduate like he wanted to, but uh, I got to college. <laughs> uh, I am a major league baseball player. And I have been some kind of coach, some kind of teacher, some kind of mentor of some sort uh, to my rookies, my the guys that have played underneath me, some high school players, some college guys. Like, you know, it's like I've, I've tried, you know, spread my influence a, a little bit. Uh, and my dad retired last April. So it's been a year now that my dad's retired. So, like, it's one of those, uh, that's that oh, that's promise that, you know, pat on the back like i i told you so that yeah Yeah. you know what i'm saying so that that's what 
that's one of wow. the things that kept me going. And my dad raised a man of his a man of his word, and I had to keep that promise. So that's basically again, that's just conviction, having intent, being willing to take that lump, knowing that it's not going to be easy, because nothing's e- ever easy. There's nothing really handed ever to you. So. Uh, all I had was God, my family, and the balls that were between my legs, and the pair of nuts, and that was it. Like that, that was it. I that that was it. And again, those potatoes that I was given, yeah, they got beat up and they got walloped and mashed all the way around. But my mashed potatoes taste good. You know what I'm saying? Like, why am I, like they got some good flavor to that thing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and it's good. <laughs> And it's true. I mean, I think that's one of the greatest, that has to be one of the your greatest accomplishments. I mean, aside obviously from, you know, having World Series rings and all that. I mean, when you go, when you, being a father. When, you rewind it, when you rewind it, being a father, yeah, when you rewind it and, you know, you set out on this journey and the promise was to, to one day retire your dad and, and to be able to accomplish that. I'm still trying to do it because my parents don't want to stop working. And I tell them, I'm like, you can stop. And, Good luck. And they're just like, no, 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 no. But, you know, and, and again, I mean, Beto, and this is a funny story. When, when, when back in 2008, before Sergio got called up, we were in, we were in New Hampshire. I was in New Hampshire and he was in Norwich, Connecticut. Okay. We're, we're in the same league. And I remember, you know, obviously we knew each other from the fall league. So we went out and had a few pops after the game. And, and I remember, uh, <laughs> We had more than a few, and we had a good good night and, and all that. And obviously, I was struggling, and he's sitting there, and he's like, how the fuck am I sitting here giving you advice when you should be giving me advice, you know? And, and But he was, like I said, he had been dominating at that level, and a few weeks later, he was up in the big leagues making his debut. From And, and I just remember him texting me saying, I'll never forget that night. One day, I'm going to repay you back. Seriously, and I'm sure, sir, do you remember that? I mean, when we that night when mm-hmm. we were out in at that bar in New Hampshire, <laughs> I can't think of that dude's dad, Krieger, Krieber, or he, something. There was a guy on our team; his last name started with a K, and his dad was even there that night. So, like, uh, Cougar, uh, Kruger, no, there was a guy on your team that he was like the MVP of the plot, the Josh Cruiser. State League. That Josh Cruiser. See, that's what I'm talking about. His dad was in there, and we were at that bar. I remember, dude, we just sat there and chatted homie up the whole night. That was great. I do remember that. Anyway, but here's the gig. Like, I, I do remember those things. Uh, those were kind of, like I said, when I when I first met you, uh, other guys, uh, we didn't play uh, the same team as them, but like when we had gone out a couple of times, we had I'd run up with, uh, Cesar Ramos. Yeah. But I had running into you guys, being around you guys going, damn, like these dudes have seen it a little bit. I want to learn a thing or two. Right. So it's like, boom. And then I watch how you guys all treated each other, not only just each other, but the guys around you too. It wasn't that, yeah, you guys, had gotten a little bit more money when it comes to signing bonuses wise or whatever. So like there was almost an expectation of people from people that you guys were going to pay for everything every night or every time we came over to like, say your house or whatever we had, you know, we, it was right to come empty handed, so to speak, you know, like it, it was almost like there was an expectation of you guys to pay for everything. And I remember one day I showed up, I, this is just me 
and I showed up with the gate, you know what I'm saying? One day, and uh, it, it kind of, everyone kind of looked at me like, what the hell? And I was like, oh, what? I was like, uh, I didn't know what was to be. Uh, but Ricky was one of those like, hey, man, like, don't worry, dude. Like, hey, man, dude, just next time I got it or whatever. Like, he, he was, he never let me pay for anything when I was with him. And it wasn't that I ever asked him to. Every time I tried to put something on the table, it was almost like, no, no, I got it. Don't worry. Da, 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 da. So then when we came to double A, it kind of happened again and again and again. And I'm sitting like, fuck, dude, like, I'm going to pay you back. Like, you got to let me pay you back. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so then I get to the big leagues. Then, honest, I've got a chance to meet mom and pops. I got a chance to meet uh, sister's brother. I, I, I've got a chance to meet the family. Mom, I've, I, I've eaten mom's cooking. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I've been to home, like I, 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 like the house he got for his parents. Like I, I've seen his family, I've met his family, and to me, the way they've treated me, like I can see exactly where he gets it from. But then you look at, that's my mom, that's my dad, well that's my brother, my sister. Like, wait a minute, there's another vato just like me, or I'm like similar yeah. to me or whatever. So then when I got to the big leagues, it's a, I'm able to sit there. Hey, I go to LA. What's up with mom and pops? You guys want to show up to the game? Hey, local film now. You want to come this way? Whatever. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's not that I want to boast where I'm at or, Hey, look what I gave you. Whatever. Look, no, like, but it's more like, thank you. Like, Hey man, like this means something to me. And if my well, family is going to be here, I'd like your family to be with my family. Why not? So like I would, and then if it was like a big game too, or a big series, or like say hard to get tickets, like I knew it was, hey man, I saw local you want to come. I remember the first time, one of, one of the first times you pitched at Dodger Stadium, and um, I think it was the off season of two thousand and eight actually, and uh, um, and after the game, me, you, and your pops are having empanadas in the parking lot, remember? <laughs> yeah, my mom, my mom, dude, I got so in trouble that year, too, because you walked out to the parking Dodger lot. Blue. <sighs> Wait, so you're pit, you pitched at Dodger Stadium, and then afterwards yeah. you're having empanadas in the parking lot? You're a big league. Yeah, yeah waiting yeah, for traffic yeah, to yeah, fight. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is before, like, anybody knew who he was or anything, but we were sitting there just, like, munching on Serge's mom's empanadas like for like yeah. 40 minutes <laughs> <laughs> hey man but if you see in that video that's why i was so chubby dude i was like hey i debuted at 215 pounds no <laughs> you uh so you're I, going back to this thing. right now i may be 170 maybe and that's because maybe. you know i ain't gonna lie like it's hard to stay active and motivated and right now with this whole dilemma going on, but yeah. I'm 170 you, pounds right now, maybe. All muscle. Now, Sergio, you, uh, you were talking about those years in the minor leagues. You and Ricky were drafted in the same year. Ricky was the first rounder, sixth overall. We've talked about this in the past with the po uh, podcast. Different first picture taken in that draft. Yes, he was. You were the 28th. Don't, don't shortchange him. Don't shortchange him. You got to throw that one in there. You know why? Because if you count how many were in between him and me, that's how many guys I beat to the big league. And it wasn't because I want to throw it in his face. No, it was motivation. I'm telling you, yep. these, that's kind of what I've been trying to tell you. I'm watching these guys. They're doing their thing. I'm like, man, they're, 
it's not that I'm better than them. It's that I can play with these guys. I just want to play with these guys. Just dang it. Somebody tell me I'm good enough for once, you know, that type of thing. And the guys that would tell me that I was good enough. Well, one of them is on this chat with us in this, you know, uh, part was like, that was one of the guys that told me I was good enough. And it wasn't like, Hey, like, Hey, bubble. So like, Hey, Hey, you're freaking good, bro. Or no, 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 no. It was, they wasn't like trying to blow me or nothing. It was, being honest, hey, bro, like, you can really do this. Cabron, like, don't be a knucklehead. Like, hey, man, you might want to chill out in certain areas. Like, that because he did help me out as much as he wants to say he did. He did help me out a lot. And that, that, was, that was a lot of the basis of our friendship. Uh, that was, that's a lot of the base of our friendship and how it began was his acceptance of me and, like, how he made me feel visible, that type of stuff. So, again... It was not that one I want to be better than him. And I know we're jumping ahead a little bit, but one of the, and I, other than sharing a clubhouse in in the fall league, I had I hadn't shared a clubhouse with you until I actually was a bit of your teammate, I guess, in spring training uh, with the San Francisco Giants by in 2017, whatever it was. And I think one of the things that I admired most about you is that you really didn't give a fuck about or anything going on around you. It was like, I know what I have to do to prepare myself because I know when I get the ball, it's my mound and I know what to do. You were just so always, always I always just, you know, it, you never, you guys had already won three World Series, but there was never no, like the situation was never big enough, for, like big for you. I felt like you walk into that clubhouse and it's bum, Buster Posey, Hunter Pence, you know, and, and, but it, I feel like you just never got caught up in that. You know, it was like, you walk in there and it was like, all right, Serge is here, but there was like, you knew where you stood, I feel like. And I always, I, every time I'd watch you walk in, I was like, man, like, this is one of the reasons why he's successful and it's easy to, easily to be admired, you know, because it's just, he knows how good he is. You know, and and not because he throws 95. There's plenty of those guys in that clubhouse, but it's because he knows himself and he carries himself like he does. And I and, and it goes back to the conviction, you know, and, um, you know, and, and that little short time that we got to spend. I mean, I, it was awesome for me. Obviously, I grew up a Dodger fan, too. So putting on that black and orange was a little bit different for me, but I enjoyed it to pieces. You know, it was, it was really cool. And. And, you know, that's just something I wanted to say, <laughs> something I wanted to say, you know, it, it was easily, it was, it was very easy to admire you just because of, uh, you know, every, the, the, I know, I know the journey that you had been through and then from winning your first World Series title to being, winning that second one, being the last, or being the pitcher to throw the last pitch that year, striking out uh, Miggy Cabrera and then winning a third one. I mean, fuck, like what else, like. You know, like you, the amount of stuff that you've accomplished and the journey that you've taken, I mean, it's just, to me, has been so, so cool it's been to watch. It's incredible bro. blessing. You talk about you're blessing. Still, Thank yeah. you. Like, it, 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 but being able to say that I feel blessed with the trials and tribulations and the successes that have come my way, like, I, it's more of an understatement, just more so for the fact that uh i myself never thought it was really possible um yeah. it was just more so for myself that inner belief that 
conviction that I, me as a person, this is who I am and this is all I got. Me as a ball player, this is who I am and this is all I got. But I tell you what, it may be little and small and not as big, buff, and grand as the rest. I was like, but I'm sorry, like, you may kick my butt, but I'm going to hit you once or twice in the mouth and you're going to remember this little guy. You know? and, oh, that's for sure. uh, and I think that's kind of, again, a, 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 a more of a compliment to my father and, and my grandparents, my, my granddads, like my both my abuelitos, like my tata, my papa, like, I'm telling you, like, they're nice as can be, and they'll put the hand out, they'll take the shirt off their back, they would do all of that. And But the second they needed to, they gave you reasons to remember them, too. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't always the greatest reasons, but you still remembered them, and you were so consistent with that. And I think you can only earn respect with consistency. I know money... In my opinion, money equals power, and money is probably the most important, you know, most powerful thing in this world. But I, and most respected thing in this world. But I think after that, it's consistency. It's if you know what you're going to get out of something or someone or an object, a job, a, a, it doesn't matter. A food. It, if if it's for you and you you like it, then you gravitate towards it. If it's not for you, then you go one way or go the other. But it's that consistency of something that allows you to decide that and to choose that for yourself. Question, question. So, um, through through everything that you've been through, what when you when you signed that big contract or you know your contract, millions and millions of dollars. What's going through your head? Like, what are you just like? I mean, you know. Again, you you go back through your journey and everything. You're like, wow! Now, not only am I a World Series champ, but now I'm in the category where I'm gonna be making millions and millions of dollars. How was that transition? For- I, I, it's still me. Uh, but the the first check that I got, there wasn't even millions. It was just, it, I can't even say just, but I'll tell you, it was it was a little over nineteen thousand. And I saw it checked and had my name on it, and I got teary-eyed too. Like I, I was like, "Wow, it was a really emotional moment for me," uh, and surprisingly emotional because uh, it was more so. Didn't maybe at that point I didn't understand how much I had really put into this and had invested into that, and it was kind of like, "Wow!" Like it was a sense of a, a reward. Like I had been rewarded for for everything I've done or the decisions I've made and what I've just chosen to put myself through uh, for my own reasons. And then it's just that remembering what my dad told me when I got drafted and he drove me from Brawley to Phoenix. Uh, out of everything he told me, four-hour drive, I, I remember most was he said, don't ever take for granted what you always knew was achievable, never attainable. In other words, you know, like keep working hard, stay true to yourself, stay true to yourself, the path that you've taken, like keep working, like don't take it all for granted. Like don't act arrogant, don't be big headed, don't be a don't be a dick. Like straight up, like be a good person. Stay the person that you are, like, you know what I'm saying? Like and keep going, keep progressing, keep growing. And like because if you don't, those moments you don't, then you're going to really disrespect all the times that you picked yourself up, all those times that you fought through something and you overco- you overcame something and 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 it was something that couldn't couldn't knock you down, like something that couldn't couldn't win against you. You know what I'm saying? You just didn't quit. 
all those times you literally got back up and like kept fighting. Like you don't want to disrespect all those times. So that's that's the kind of what it was for me. Like that combination of all of that, the time, the effort, the blood, the sweat, uh, the intent, the reasons, the emotional burdens I had put on myself. It was kind of like hell yeah, I did it. Like this is this is what I can get if I keep going. All right, cool, let's go. You know, Sergio, I know. So, Complacency you, has never been the thing. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> the the money I know has never motivated you. And the conversation you've had over the years, it's about making your dad, the city of Brawley, where you come from, your family proud. You always told me that the way you were brought up is why you're a big leaguer, because you have that attitude. Because everybody told you, no, can't do this. You can't play D1. You can't do this. You can't do that. Yet you're the last one from that draft who's still going, still doing things. And it's not that you want to say I'm better than anybody else, but your thing has always been my roots, my foundation has been strong. You played like as a 14-year-old against men, right? You'd go across the border and play yeah. in Mexicali. You know? Dad, they, they lit me up too, man. They were <laughs> very unforgiving. Very unforgiving going down there. Primera fuerza down Liga Montero over there in Mexicali. They, hey, man, you... You need to learn, like you you can't be afraid playing a certain league, you know. And I'm sure there's other leagues like that around there in other yeah. places, you know what I'm saying? But that was just it was where I learned my, you know, my P's and Q's, you know, to mind my certain things. <laughs> yeah, because sir, now everybody you kids all you, playing like in these like fancy travel showcases, whatever it is, that everything's getting handed to them. You represent <laughs> Mexico, playing in Mexico. But, but my point was, Serge, if you don't suffer failure early in your life you don't know how to get through adversity, right? And those leagues where they make you a man early, it's important for you. Yeah, uh, I had to learn that I was good for my age. Uh, I was good for where I'm from. I was good for my my hood, my street, my barrio, whatever you want to call it. I was good for my little league district. Um well, there's other Little League districts. There's other leagues. There's other places that guys are good. And there's other places that have this and this and this and this and that. And maybe if I'd seen them or not, or I knew them or not, or I knew they existed or not, or whatever, um, they were there and they're they're good. You know, there's always, in my opinion, there's always somebody better than you, honest. There's always somebody where at least working harder than you, putting in time and effort that you're not putting in, you know, the mama mentality, so to speak. There's there's guys who are like myself nowadays. I'll be sitting around playing video games and I'll throw or whatever and I'll do my little things here. But I know there's another younger buck over there who's still running and he found his makeshift gym in his in his, you know, quarantine place and all this good stuff. And they're still busting their high. Like, I know this. I get this. Like, there's always somebody doing something better, greater, and grander. But it still doesn't change you. It doesn't still change your potential. It still doesn't change your worth. It still doesn't have someone else's worth. It has nothing to do with your worth. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, again, it's the consistency in which you project yourself. You, It's, it's what you put out. If somebody knows what they're going to get in you, they can make a choice. And when they make that choice, if it's for them or not, that's earning respect for what you've put out. You know what I'm saying? So like, if you want something in, in, in like say respect or love or just a friendship or something, well, how about you give love? How about you work hard? How about you be a friend? How about you show compassion? You you show sen- uh, sensitivity, uh, that type of stuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like just be a human being. Like 
that you know like if you really want something like that you got to work at it you got to be that person you got to be that consistently and not just you know fake stuff i'm sorry i don't ever last you, you don't see right through that eventually you know so it's the consistency in which you are and which you do something again it's the food if you don't that food ain't good i'm sorry if that food is consistently not good are you gonna keep eating that food no. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying like if me like if I was a punk with you guys every day and like it was just not a good person you guys would you guys even invite me on you know on your podcast would you guys even nah. care about my story you know what I'm saying like it, it, I guess it kind of goes in the same regards if, if, you know Ricky and I couldn't have just been the good people we were to each other at the younger age we wouldn't be call, able to call ourselves friends now you know what I'm saying me and you Beto like we became friends through other people who in a sense there's a story behind that, but there, there's, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. lo que no era, ya se fue. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And we're lo still que, friends to this day, no man. Era, you know, like, aquí estamos. Look, this, this, like, look, this hat right here, the reason I brought out this Giants hat, and not to go back in there, but I bought this at a Giants game that you pitched at. You left me tickets. I took my kids up to the game, and the first thing I did is I went and bought my kids uh, a Sergio Romo T-shirt. And I thought it was in this crowd. You left me tickets. It was cool. It was the first time they went out there. And I was like, I bought this hat just because it was like, let me support uh, Romo. Those T-shirts, my kids have outgrown it. I still got the shirts right there, 54. But what real what hit me that day, because I knew you're, you're, to me, you're a big deal. You're, the, you're, you're fucking awesome. There were so many Romo T-shirts mm-hmm. in the crowd that day. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that you were that popular up there with the fan. I knew you were popular, but not to that extent. I didn't know because they, it was the first time. They fucking love him in, in San yes. Francisco. And this is just, I just got a glimpse of it in spring training. Like, I just got a little bit of a taste of it. I mean, Sergio Romo walks out. Oh, man. People right. love it. Yeah. That's another yeah. blessing that I didn't expect either. Uh, I mean, it's part of why I'm able to uh, call San Francisco my home in the offseason now. Um, I was able to be myself there. I uh, can't really say that about all the places I've been. Well, actually, I can only say it. I can't say it only about one Look at this. I've been. You but, wore this yeah, shirt I, at the parade. That's who you are. That's that's me. Um, that See, that was one of my proudest moments that most people may not understand was the courage that it took for me to actually wear that shirt that day. Uh, I was I proud that I was able to step out of that. And in a big moment, at a time that I feel, uh, especially the people in San Francisco, uh, people in California needed to really, it was a voting, you know, there was a dream act going on during that time. And I had to take my shot. Uh, I mean, come on, man. My team was, my team put me in a place to be able to do something big and play a role bigger and greater, grander than I thought I could ever play. Uh, again, I said to start this off that I, I prefer being Robin and uh, being the setup guy for all of that. The beginning parts of that was cool. It was awesome. Being the guy at the end, uh, that was a burden I didn't think I could carry. That was, uh, I didn't know I could actually. Uh, but my teammates, they out, the fans, San Francisco, and they out. It was just that, you know, they reminded me every day. They confided in me every day. They would literally say things like, man, this is an eight inning ball game. Wait, what? No, we play nine. They're like, no, no, no. We got to lead through eight. It's over. We got you. And I was like, Okay, cool. Like these people really feel this way. I said I'm starting to believe in you too. So then it just kind of <laughs> turned into uh, that so you know that mama's estrellita sopita that you want to eat all the time. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. No matter what time and day, no matter what hour, no matter donde sea, it doesn't matter. That's so pita estrellita. It always, it always hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Romo. That's and then that, that's what I you got your, there. you got your own ice cream. You wore the I'm I only look illegal T-shirt, and then you get your own ice cream too. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome. Uh, the a hey, dude, it's yummy. Only tastes illegal. Wow. <laughs> was this the playoff? the shirt you know what i'm saying like that was that was you know that was kind of like my big leagues like hey like there's a personality behind the beard you know and that that kind of added to that uh again you talk about uh most people talk about glory days and all the good stuff like that i was like i didn't really have glory days i had giant days you know what i'm saying like i had ginormous days like you know uh and uh, it's been easy for me to say that way, especially, you know, even though I've played in other places and I'm very thankful and grateful for all these other places I've played. You know, they've treated me tremendously well. Uh, it's kind of hard to say that I'll have better times than those, you know, than being on those teams where we yeah. all really, really gave no Fs about no ifs and what's her. We didn't give any shits about anything but ourselves. You know, we wanted, like, we believed in ourselves and we could play. So, uh, again, those those days with the Giants, they were not glory you, days. They were Giants sir, days for me. Do you think a lot of that, that, obviously, the players were there? And, I mean, you guys bought in, you know, to that, that, that group was so, what I noticed from being in there, that, that group was so close, you know? Like, you guys knew, like, what you guys had to do. Everyone had their roles. But do you think Bruce Bochy played a big part in that? Well, yeah, I mean, he's the one that establishes that atmosphere. Um, yeah. I know I as us players and, and the veterans, you know, play a huge part in it, but uh, it's, it's, it's the manager. It's the guidelines he sets. It's the boundaries that he sets. It's what he allows and doesn't allow. It's the way he talks to your players. It's the way you make your players feel visible or not. <laughs> Because there are some guys that feel completely invisible that play every day, but there are guys that feel extremely visible that play every other day, every three, four days. Yeah. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's easy for guys to get lost in the numbers game because there are so many guys that do come in and go through. There are so many you know different faces and whatnot. But uh, the manager is the one that sets it all up. The manager is the one that literally. Hey man, like if he's like Bochi, he's so laid back, but he's got a personality behind that big, big bodied man. He is big body, deep voice, but he's got a personality and he would talk us for me. Like he treated me honest. I, I've seen him treat the way I've seen him treat his sons, like as a father. Like I've seen him be a coach and a father at the same time, literally, because Brett was, you know, we played on the same team for his dad. Uh, but uh, he treated me the same way. You know, and I feel he treated everybody the same way like he treats his son. We all got to see it firsthand, and there was no difference uh, other than the fact that he would go to dinner with a kid, you know, or, you know, like when they're outside the, off the field. But they, he didn't treat us any different. It was huge, and plus, I think he understood us. I can't say that for every manager in the big leagues because I haven't played for every manager, but uh that dude made like he knew his pieces like he was a chess master and he knew his pieces he knew that the queen can go to any space he wants and the 
you know, like you go to any angle, he knew the rook can only go forward and sideways, like that type of stuff. Like he he knew every, all of that. He knew when and where to throw his pieces. Like that was pretty cool, man. And it seemed like uh, that those Giants teams, they let you have your personality, let you show who you are. And as we've talked this conversation on the separate with Ricky, like when you're a baseball player, you're separated by your race. It's like the country boys go over here. The Dominicans go over there. The Mexican-Americans are left by themselves, right? Like you're, oh, it's man. like, you can't. There's not very many of us. Oh, man. Exactly. It's like, okay, the Mexicans, but you're not Mexican as Ricky brings his new puppy in. Uh, but one thing I, uh, that you resonate a lot is everybody goes say, oh, the dog. Yeah, it's everybody, all Mexican-Americans relate with you, Romo, because you have the USA tattoo, you have the Mexican flag tattoo, but you come into El Mechon, right? You, you play for Mexico. Why El Mechon and why that song, which would get everybody fired up? When I heard it in San Francisco, I'm like, man, these Republican conservatives are listening to El Mechon right now. They got no idea what it's saying. They know. don't know if it's provocative. They don't know if yes. it's like anything. Uh, they don't know if it's profane. It doesn't. But they love that damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what made, what made, love what made, that thing. What made you choose that? So trip, so trip. So like my when I first got called to the big leagues, um, I had uh, "Suavemente" was my first song in the big leagues. "Suavemente, besame." That one, uh, Elvis Crespo, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so Juan Uribe was on the team, and Juan Uribe goes, Romo, por qué esa canción? Like, why that song? And I'm like, oh, well, I like it. It's badass. Like, what? And he goes, you got to change it. I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, uh, basically in Spanish, of course. But he's like, hey, lo tienes que cambiar. Tú no eres nada suave, ni nada, ni nada, ni madre. And I'm like, wow. Like, he basically said, I'm not smooth at all. There's nothing smooth about you. you. That song does not fit you. You need to change that shit. So I was like, I bet. And that was like 2008. And then he didn't tell me till 2009. So then I changed it to Beastie Boys uh, Intergalactic because Wilson came out to, uh, what was the one that Wilson came out to? Jump, jump around. No. I don't remember. Anyway, whatever. House of Pain. So I changed it to that one. So I came out to that song. So then at the end of the season in 2008, Shit, 2009, 2010. One of the seasons, last week, it was 2010. The last game of the season, I went in and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put some Mexican-ass song up there. Just, just if I pitch today, I'm just coming up to a Mexican-ass song. So I happened to pitch in the ninth inning that day. <laughs> and uh, I came out to El Mechon. I picked El Mechon because, honest, I had fucking highlights in my hair already. And, and Mechon in Spanish has multiple meanings, of course. And Mechon could be like a highlight in your hair, like, you know, streaks or whatever, highlight in your beard or, you know, any kind of color, basically, in your hair. Uh, or it could be like a padlock, uh, you know, like a, you know, like a, a candado, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, so I was kind of both i was closing at the time and i had the painted mohawk so i put it on just to mess around and then it hit 
everybody jammed out. Everybody stood up. Everybody was dancing. They played the whole damn song. The very first time, I was like, wow, this is crazy. I went and I punched out the side. It was nuts. Have you met the band that plays the song? Yeah, that's it, bro. They're they're pretty dope. They're from Mazatlan and stuff. So, like, so trip in 2016... I started playing in uh, Mexico, uh, winter ball all, again. And uh, I played for the Chavos de Jalisco. Tried to get me. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so I was playing. <laughs> so I was playing there, right? And we go to play Mazatlan. And the Venales in Mazatlan. And I come in the pitch for the first time. And it's a safe situation for my team. And there's a band that starts playing, a live band starts playing El Metron as I'm warming up and <laughs> in the stands. Wait, and you're I'm the like, visitor. As a visitor, yeah, I was tripping <laughs> out. Anyways, so I get the save or whatever. So then the next day I come in and I get a chance to pitch again. I get a save the next day also. That same damn band's up there. And I'm like, what the fuck? Whatever, didn't even think nothing of it. You know what damn band was? It was Banda MS. Oh no. It was like maybe four, it was like six of them. Well, it was like six of them. Cause you know, they kind of expanded, you know, and they got a lot more now. Um, but there was like six of them, bro, just chilling there. Not all of them, just chilling there. Bam, bam, bam. I was like, what? They invited me to the house. They invited, like, I'm talking like Carnesai, like Mariscos. No some Chevet, some Chevez, you know? <laughs> like, those those vatos are dope, bro. You had the band, the banda that sings the song is in the crowd playing for you. Only Sergio like Romo. They, Only Sergio Romo. Dude, it tripped me out. Tripped me out. Like, they're, it's like the local band. Like, they're the local shit. So they're playing the stuff up there and that, whatever. And then uh, I met the, his name is Andres something. I don't know if he's affiliated with them anymore or not. Because, you know, some things change. Um, can change. Um, but uh, Andres, whatever. I, I can't remember. I don't know. I got his contact. That's cool. But he's, uh, he, uh, cool. he was the one that was like, yo, you want to do this? He was like, well, what? He's like, well, you're homie. And he was like, Sebastian Valle was like, my son's Nino. Uh, that's like, that's my homie. So he played yeah, the He was like, yo, like, what's up? Like, hey, well, so then, yeah. Kind of Robo. Uh, this is live on YouTube. So if you have a, a couple questions, feel free to jump in right now. We're going to ask you as we're wrapping up the show, Romo, I told you this is easy, man. We don't care about baseball. We care about you and your stories and your fantastic. You're inspiring the hey, people. Hey, man, watch out these grenas. You should care about these grenas. Send me a barrero <laughs> or something, man. You can get away with that. You can get away with that. Um, what questions do you have, BD? All right. So, Romo, we always ask everybody here uh, that's a guest. If you could tell 18-year-old Sergio Romo the best piece of advice, what would it be? What would you tell 18-year-old Sergio Romo right now? Wow. See, we're deep. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I've never really thought about that. <laughs> oh, man. Honest, like, for reals, que no seas culero. Like, for reals. <laughs> no seas culero. <laughs> like... Oh. fucking go for it you know what i'm saying go for it like there's 
I mean, the only one that's going to hold your back is you, like, for real, is that I've been the only person to ever really hold myself back. Uh, if it's because I believe somebody, the reasons why someone tell me no or what, or someone tell me I couldn't do something or whatever, whatever. I've always been my biggest obstacle. Um, and I was, I've always kind of been intimidated of myself. Why? Uh, maybe understanding my my potential or maybe seeing my own potential go left and go right at the same time. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I, I think it just don't, no seas culero, like go for it. Like just be you for real. Don't be afraid. Just, just murder it. Like for real, just run oh, for yeah. it. Agarralo porque es tuyo. Like we can keep going on this one. I could say this so many different ways. No seas culero, that's really it. Well, go ahead. Keep on saying it in different ways. We we can translate, maybe. <laughs> but that's also the golden rule, right? Just be nice to people. Say that again. Like in baseball, you run into so many different characters, and it's it just be nice, right? Just be a good teammate. Like, like for real, is like be the kid that your parents raised because that that he he knows what's up that kid knows what's good like he knows how to be a good person he knows how to honest he knows how to just do his stuff he knows how to be where he needs to be he's reliable he's accountable you know what i'm saying he's responsible <laughs> believe it or not um uh the kid's the man for real the kid's got a lot of potential to be the shit so go be that for real <laughs> this one uh, right here Roma think, from a, a high school player nate flores how do you prepare your body? Uh, uh, well, I'm a little different. Uh, the one thing is, is you got to, I think it, it, you got to understand your body first and foremost. I think, uh, you know, some guys are meant to be uh, and can perform and still be themselves at bigger, stronger, more muscular, tighter, whatnot. Uh, but for me personally, uh, I, I do a lot of shoulder work. Uh, I do a lot of jobs, you know, uh, uh, I do a lot of scap work, uh, one of the, and, and I focus on my legs. The legs and my shoulders are probably the strongest parts of my body. Uh, conditioning is key. Uh, I don't like to run, believe it or not. I don't like to run, <laughs> but it's crucial. It helps. Uh, it helps those little muscles in your shoulders. It helps you stay loose. It helps you stay flexible. Uh, it keeps your muscles limber. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And, and stamina, I'm sorry. Like, I I don't like running out of my 85, 86s, you know, after five fastballs. You know, I like to throw about 50 and still have 85, 86 in the tank, you know? So uh, that's really it. I mind my shoulders and my legs. That's basically it. And one more right here. What best advice for somebody who wants to play in college but isn't getting recruited or looks? Ah. Well, uh, the splash is only as big as you really, really make it. Um, you can't sit there and be loud or nothing and, and, and like, oh, look at me or like start whatever. But don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Put a video together or two. Put a scouting, a recruiting video of some sort. Uh, don't be afraid to uh, reach out legitimately and like bet on yourself. Uh, I think our play, uh, your play, or you know anybody's play, really should just speak for itself. So put together a video, uh, post it, uh, start you know try uh, like again. There's so many different uh, 
social medias and, and, and branches that you can use in those regards. Um, but uh, maybe there's travel thing. I know there's a quarantine life, whatever going on. I don't know how long you know that's going to happen or whatever, but there's ways you can put yourself out there that way too. Uh, reaching out, there's open tryouts for certain travel teams. There's uh, he say, she say, like, you know, like uh, by word of mouth, you can, you know, go to certain tryouts. Uh, I mean, I was fortunate enough to have like Mexico. I, I grew up close to Mexico, so I can go play in the winter or in the, in the, you know, in the weekends and still be able to be seen and whatnot. Uh, you know, I didn't have the travel teams and whatnot, but my, my dad was mainly the one putting me out there. If it were because of a video, a recruiting video, if it were because, Hey, you know what? I just, my son's playing today. I'm going to record him. Oh, he did something cool. Oh, well, I'm going to go send this to this person and see what they say. You know, I mean, send it to like a local media outlet, even, you know, Hey, look, I did this this weekend. How about you just throw this out there? That type of stuff. It's one of the things we talked about, talk about here too, Beto, where, where, you know, you, you're very active on social media yourself, BD and, and you're, you're always putting thought like, like, Hey, the Lakers are hiring so-and-so go get it, go get it. And, and yeah. that's pretty much the way it has mm -hmm. to be. You know, if, if you really want it, I mean, and you're not getting seen, you have to go out to the hustler and be like, all right, I'm going to sell myself to be this guy. And all I need is one school. And, but, but once you get that one school, you better be ready to work and be ready and to outwork everyone. Back to shish up. Yeah. Like you got to back it up, you know, you, you got to go in there and you, if you're going to say something like, Hey, like, this is me, this is what I got. This is what I am. Well, you got to show up and you got to be that, you know, there's no pressure that you have to perform and be the best or no, but you have to be what those videos are saying is the person that enjoys what they're doing, working hard, reliable, accountable there when they need to be that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? In other words, you got to be a good person. Like if you can be a good person, you got to be consistent. Like if you could be this and telling you these, these, it's life is very rewarding in those aspects. You know, it, it can be very unrewarding uh, going in, in other aspects. But uh, from that standpoint, hey man, it's beneficial. Uh, again, consistency, in my opinion, is what's respected most in this world. So show people with consistency who you are, what you got to offer, the good, the bad, the great, the ugly, the wonderful, all the good stuff. Just be that. Man, this has been cool. Ricky, you got anything else? Because, man, we could go all day long. We could do all kinds of stuff. Well, See, you go. This could be a five-hour podcast easily. We, it could be. It could be, of course, Westside. I, I do have a funny story, though, to share about uh, Serge. The, the day I got married, um, I have a picture of him. He ended up with my dad's uh, Tejana. And my dad had his, by the end of the night, took off his Tejana. Sergio had it on. And my dad had his Cal State Fullerton hat on with the suit. I have that photo, and every time I look at it, I it's just it's classic surge surge. It's just a classic surge in my pop's picture, you know, him in a suit, baseball hat, because he hates wearing anything else, anything else that that doesn't that it's not a baseball hat. He hates it. So I got by a, the end of the Sergio had his his hat. <laughs> I got a great picture from that wedding of Sergio with a, a great hold. You might have had a lot of great holds in your career, but there's a great hold that you had at Ricky's wedding. I won't say the person's name, but you held on to that guy, Romo. You did a great job. You know, oh, you might've got to yes. say that night too. He was oh, the best man goodness. in the wedding, remember? I, I remember. <laughs> yeah, okay, wait. I'm glad he's alive. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm really, really glad. And I'm glad we yeah. found him. 
Um, he was found. He was found. That is true. He was found and he's alive. All I, all I heard is uh, like, I'm not hey. gonna say his name. Hey, Canalito, that's what's up, bro. Um, yeah. <laughs> hope you're well, loco. Yeah. All I heard was like, "Hey, almost got him." I was like, "Got who?" Oh no, he's got it. He's got it. He's good. He's got. He's got him. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Amazing. No, um, he's, he's got. No, he I, I had him. I, I had him all right. Um, <laughs> if that person would have been drinking one hundred one cider, he would have been fine. He was drinking everything else. Make sure you guys go pick up uh, one hundred one cider, uh, Ricky's uh, cider company, and you can use the code Romero and get fifteen percent off right now. Also, Westside Love. Uh, sending some awesome hats. Romo, we're going to get you some West Side Love caps, man. You're going to love these that they've been yeah, rocking dude, and have the W up there. The West Coast. Yeah, hey, that's wait. it. So, I, well, Romo. I've been needing some new gear. I be, this is, I've rocked this for like seven years in a row. I was about to say, dude, yeah, it's the same hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, hey, man, it's the favorite hat. What can I say? It was a uh, 2000. Hey, no bullshit. It was 2015, yo. This hat. Damn, 2013, that's from the, classical. That's yeah. from the classical? Man. Hey, uh, all right, so Romo, see, this wasn't bad, right? It's a podcast. You know what a podcast is now. It was fun, right? I want to see. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it, yeah. Hey, well, hey, sounds good, it, it does feel good that I'm not, like, chopped liver or nothing, you know what I'm saying? No, that I'm, like, more. actually, like, a, I'm a, I'm a good-ass carne asada taco that you want to bite into, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sabroso, you know, like... You know oh, I'm mean? uh, sure people are going to be are. really happy we had you on. And we turn it into a podcast. This one was live, but we'll turn it into a podcast, and then people can listen to it on. Well, it's nobody's up. really driving right now, but. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just to let you know, when we started this podcast a year ago, you're one of the first persons that Ricky wanted to have on. Um, thank you for texting him back after eight months. We really appreciate it. By your mind, Anyway. Anyway. ¿Cuándo empezaste a manejar las trocas, güey? ¿Cuándo empezaste a manejar las trocas, güey? Yeah. <laughs> Romo, big fan of yours, man. Love you. Uh, hermano, carnal. And uh, anything else you got to say? Last words for the people, Romo. Hey, man, for real. La neta, gracias. Like, thank you for always, you know, following, for always supporting, you know, La Raza. We... We, there's reasons why we do things, you know, and I, I, I feel like I can speak for both of you guys also. There's reasons why we do things, and Ante and Arasa are, are part of those reasons. Uh, we want to be examples. We want to be you know, proof that we can make it, that things are possible, you know, right head on your shoulders, right supporting cast, you know, the you know, right work ethic. We can we could accomplish anything, you know, and uh, if we can really, really, really be that to you guys, allow us to be that. You know, see us for the worst that we can provide. And it's not that we're big-headed, arrogant, and conceited, and we think we're this. No, no, no. It's we only have our experiences to speak off of, you know. So uh, thank you for being willing to hear about our experiences. And uh, hopefully we can help you guys out. And, uh, you know, we can, we can all pachanga together, you know what I'm saying? Like, we can all oh, do okay. the party thing, you know. So And, like, hang out and have a good time and just live. <laughs> hey, well, we appreciate you partying together? I mean... Let's go. Hey, Let's go. Hey, I made it. I made it. You I'm made it. Still, bro, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky, bro. Ricky, I'll talk to you later. Once again, West Side Love is where you want to go check out the hats. Uh, 
101 Cider. And thanks to everybody at Pro Angle Media. John McKelvey running the controls. Make sure you listen, rate, and review on YouTube. Also, podcast, the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast. JPR and Chibia the week before. This week, Sergio Romo. We're going to continue to grow and roll with you on quarantine. Thanks for listening to the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast. Let's go.